Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Vision Podcast. Hey, this week was a pretty special week. We began to talk about a new series called Kingdom Culture. And this week, we're talking about love is not easily offended. I think in my lifetime, this is probably the most sensitive generation that I've experienced or seen uh, on the planet. And so the good news is, is that God has redeemed us from the spirit of offense. And, and we don't have to take that bait. We don't have to be a part of that or allow fence to leave dents and marks on our lives. And so I want to encourage you to take your pen, your your paper, your Bible, and really seek God with us. Every week in our service, we put our hands on our heart and we pray that God would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what he has for us. So I encourage you to do that and enjoy the podcast. I just want to pray as we get started this morning, and uh, man, I feel like God's given me a word, and I don't have a lot of time to get to it, so I want to jump into it, but you know, um, I'm just, I'm so excited about what God, I feel like God is pulling on me here in the last last few months. I've, I've just been just praying and seeking God, and you know, we are being raised in a system that is counterculture to kingdom culture. So it's counterculture to kingdom culture, meaning Satan is called the God of this world. Now that's not the actual world. What it's talking about is the Babylonian system of the world, the system that the world operates in. And at best, in that system, it's propped up and it's always on the brink, usually of about to fall apart. You know, and, and so it gets propped up a little bit more and it gets propped up a little bit more. But how many of you know that there is a kingdom culture that was here in the garden when God created the earth? And so Adam and Eve, you know, messed that up and then Satan came in. And so he's tried to position himself as the God of this world. But guess what? I've got a room full of believers in here. And when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, then you became free from that system, from that Babylonian system of bondage. I'm already preaching now. I haven't even got to pray yet. But this this Babylonian system of bondage, and now we have come into a kingdom culture. A kingdom culture where, where we can function at a whole different level. And so I've just been feeling this tug on my heart that I, we needed to go here as a church and we be, needed to begin to open this up and talk about uh, kingdom culture things. And so if it's God's will, because as you can tell in our church, we plan and we strategize, but we give the Holy Spirit full permission. He has full permission to interrupt, to, to, and I just got messed up during worship. So this is like, I'm trying to reel myself back in so that I can minister and allow God to speak through me, because man, I got wrecked down here. But, and so anyway, so if it's God's will here for the next few weeks at least, we're going to begin to talk about kingdom culture. So do this for me. Put your hands on your heart and say this after me. Father God, I need you. I need to hear from heaven. And so I ask you, speak to my heart. Give me ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. In Jesus' name. And if you receive it, say amen. All right, you can be seated. Once you're seated, take your Bible, open up to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 24. 
Come on, somebody give a shout of praise for a moment. Woo! <laughs> Matthew 24. Now, in this chapter, the disciples have come to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what are the signs of the end of the age, the end of time? And so Jesus begins to answer this. He begins to talk about all these things that are going to happen. He said, do not be deceived. If someone says, hey, the Christ is over here, come over here. He said, don't go over there. I'm not over there. Okay, and, and, and so some are going to come and they're going to try and deceive. He said, their nation is going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famine, pestilence. There's going to be uh, earthquakes hurricanes, and we're experiencing a lot of those things. But then he gets down to verse 10, and he says this, and then many will be offended. Not a few, many will be offended. How many of you can tell in our culture that there's some offense out there? There's more offense than we have ever seen in my short life of only 53 years on this earth. This is the most sensitive I've seen people in my lifetime. You know, and it just seems like any little thing causes offense, right? And why is that? Well, the reason is, is because their emphasis, their focus is on themselves. Instead of focusing on the one who has recreated them so that they can affect other people. They're just focused on how life is affecting them. How they're being treated. What they're having to go through. And let me tell you what the answer is. The answer is this. The answer is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the very last verse, verse 31, where Paul said, hey, I, I'm going to show you the best way, the more excellent way. And guess what that way is? Goes into 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah. The way of love. The way of love. This is the answer. Why do we go out and we do generosity events? Why do we distribute 55,000 meals to people in need? That's not so that we can say, hey, we distributed 55,000 meals. Woohoo! Yeah, let's cheerlead that. Huh? No, the reason is, is because we are looking for ways that we can love on community. And you show love by action, don't you? Man, wow. But, and so love is selfless. Love that's why it's not easily offended. You want to step out of offense. You want to step out of taking things so personally, step into love. When you love other people, and that's what your focus is, your focus is on what can I do to change the person next to me? What can I do that will impact their life? Then guess what? You're stepping out of self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is one of the biggest problems in our culture today. Social media really helps with that. People, I've never seen people depressed over not getting enough likes until this, this generation. I'm not saying, because the technology is now jumping on board and helping people be more easily offended. But I'm telling you, if we can change the paradigm, and this is what it's going to take in order for us to step into love, we're gonna to have to have a paradigm shift. Come on, somebody. We're gonna to have to transform our thinking. And how do you transform your thinking? Well, you get it off of feeding, you get yourself off of feeding what you've been feeding on, and you, and you find out who God has told you that you are. <clears throat> Some people who wonder if 
whether or not they're forgiven, they need to go back and read some scriptures. I've been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. That old man has passed away. That's not who I am anymore. And so why am I giving that place in my life? That's not me anymore. Man. So anyway, I want to talk about a couple of things, but I'm looking at the time and, and uh, I'm just going to make it work. Amen? Amen. All right. So offense focuses on self. Think about King Saul. You remember in 1 Samuel, over in chapter 13, Saul has been made king, and the Philistines have declared war on Israel, and he takes, he, he, he takes all of these Israelites and all of his army, and he meets the Philistines, and he sends message to Samuel, and he says, Samuel, come out and let's inquire of God, because the Philistines, they want, they've declared war on us, and we need to hear from heaven. We need to know what to do. That's a smart idea, isn't it? Take time to hear from heaven. And so Samuel says, okay, I'll be there at this particular time. Well, they line up, and there they are, and the time comes, and the time passes, and there's no Samuel. Well, Saul, King Saul, is looking around, and the few men that he does have in comparison to the Philistines, because the Philistines have a vast army, and so here he is, here he is with these few men. Some of those begin to abandon him. <laughs> they take off. They go home. And, but, and so he's left with a remnant here. And so now he's getting nervous, and so now he decides, you know what? I'm king. God has anointed me. I've prophesied with the prophets, and he decides to go ahead and offer the sacrifice on his own. Bad idea. Why? Because the priests are the only ones in this day and time that God had anointed to offer sacrifices. So he offers the sacrifice. Then Samuel shows up. And here's Samuel. And Samuel, when he comes, he's like, there's already a sacrifice that's being offered. He said, what have you done? And he said, well, I waited for you. You didn't come at the right time, the time when you said you were going to come. And so I went ahead and offered a sacrifice. And he said, that's a very foolish thing that you've done. And so Saul recognizes that he sinned because he said, I've sinned. But he said, but now honor me. Where is his focus? On himself, on how he's going to look. And he said, don't leave, but honor me in front of my men. And Saul Samuel goes to leave and Saul grabs his coat and his coat rips. And Samuel turns around and says, the kingdom has been torn away from you. And God is going to give it to somebody, a better man than you. And, he, and all he was concerned about was, but please stay with me and honor me before my men as I go and I worship God. Well, how many of you know that worship's pointless? Why? Because it's all about him. It's all about King Saul. And that's what self-centeredness does, is it's always concerned with how am I going to look? Because let me tell you where the freedom is. The freedom from offense is in denying yourself. What did Jesus say? He said, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. That means we get to die to ourself. We get to crucify self and step into love. Man, thank God for that. See, you were never made for you anyway, were you? You were made for him. Thank God. Somebody say amen to that. Now, let's look at another situation. Another situation. In 1 Samuel 18, King Saul again. 
Here they're lined up on one side of the valley, and the Philistines are lined up on the other side of the valley, and here comes Goliath, this big giant coming out and taunting him. And he said, listen, he said, no need for the, all the army to fight. You just send one man out. If I beat him, you guys become servant, our servants. He said, if he beats me, we become your servants. We remember the story of what happened. David shows up. David is God's anointed man for Saul's job. And here he shows up and, and the anointing is on him. And he's looking at this giant going, who in the world does this guy think he is? He's, he is a man without covenant. He goes out. He wins a battle. Everybody's happy. The Israelites chase the Philistines and they start destroying them as far as they can chase them. And then here they come home and they're celebrating and out come the lady dancers and the singers and they're playing their tambourines and they're they got worship music going and it's a rocking place and and everything was hunky-dory everything was fine until they got to the chorus of the song and they said David can't they said Saul has slain his thousands but but David has slayed his tens of thousands and Saul hears it and he's like wait a minute they're only giving me credit for thousands. They're giving David credit for tens of thousands. And here's what offense does. If you allow offense to come in your heart, it's going gonna, it's gonna to travel on you. Because offense is going to turn into bitterness. Bitterness or jealousy. Jealousy is going to turn into bitterness. Bitterness is going to turn into hatred. And guess what hatred will produce? Murder in your heart. I hate that person. Ooh, don't say that. You've, you've traveled a long distance if you come to where you're saying that. And I'm telling you, it, it, it's easy to give in to offense because it comes so easily. It comes just so, you know, it, it's so crafty how it comes. And, and here's Saul. He gets offended. But then what's ha what happens is he begins to have these anger, fits of anger, where he starts lashing out, lashing out at his servants, lashing out at David, Right. And 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 so now some people say, well, he, you know, he needs to manage his anger. Well, how about you? How do you do you manage your anger? Huh. Jesus never told us to manage anger. He told us to put it off, to take it, to put it off. Colossians three, you take anger and you put it off. It doesn't belong on you, but, but you have to let go of offense. You have to ask God to forgive you for carrying that offense. Wow. Man. Well, I just need anger management. No, you don't. You need to put it off. Let me read to you Proverbs 19, verse 11. It says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. But Phil, you don't understand. They hurt me. <laughs> Let me tell you this. What they did is not the issue. It's a distraction. Love is the issue. That's the issue. Are you walking in love? Are you putting off anger, putting off hatred? And are you putting on love? Because this is something we put on. Amen. So turn over to Matthew 5. I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 5. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. How many of you guys remember the store S&H? Any, any uh, people remember the S&H stores? And remember the S&H green stamps? Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, you know, that was our big thing is that we would love uh, this S&H place. They would give you this book and you'd get these green stamps every time you bought 
products from their store. And so you take these green stamps. And I, I, so I had two sisters. One is three and a half older, years older than me. The other one is eight years older than me. So they were, they were uh, substantially stronger than I was when I was little. Not anymore. But that, that's how it was when I was little. And uh, but anyway, but they would they would argue over who gets to lick the stamp and put the stamp in the book, you know. And so they would. And so what happened was you would put all your stamps in your book, and once you filled your book up, then you could take your book back because now it's full, and you get a free toaster or something, right? You know, a little appliance or something. You go back, and so we used to enjoy doing SNH green stamps. So let me read this scripture, and then I'll, I'll tell you why I told you that story. Matthew chapter five. Look at verse forty-four. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Well, that sounds like fun. Love someone who hates you. Love someone who backbites, tells other people about you. Love your enemies. This is not even your frenemies. I mean, this is not even your next door neighbor. This is love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. That sounds fun too. That's going over real big. And then do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Let me tell you, you cannot do this if you're holding on to offense. It's impossible. You have to first let go of your offense. You have to ask God to forgive you. Father, forgive me for holding on to that offense. And the Holy Spirit, if you'll let him, Notice I preface that. If you let him, he'll reveal to you what needs to be let go of, what needs to be forgiven. There was one time that Nicole and I were believing for something in my heart, and, I, and it seemed like it was hung up. It seemed like it wasn't coming to pass. And I said, Lord, is there something in my heart that's preventing this from happening? And he said, you're holding on to an offense about this person. He said, release that. Man. I was amazed. I just opened myself up to God, and here he showed me what to do. So you know what I did? Lord, I do that right now. I ask you to forgive me. I release them. I'm sorry for harboring that. And do you know what happened? I got a call that afternoon. (laughs) God's amazing. You know, but he's more concerned about your heart. Where is your heart at? So back to the S&H Green Stamp story. So here's, here's why I bring this up. Because some people are dealing with issues. Uh, they, they use the green stamp book for their job, for their marriage, for their church. <laughs> Nobody does this with church, right? You know, I, I just started going to this church. It's a great place. And then the honeymoon's over, meaning, you know, you've, now you're really getting to know people and you're really getting connected and everything's going on. And then somebody does something that offends you. Uh-huh. There's one. And then somebody does something else that bothers you. Somebody says something. The pastor says something. He preaches something. And you didn't like it. Uh-huh. There's another one. And you start filling your book. But there's a problem. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. And so you're filling your little stamp book. And then finally, you get to where you only have one space left in this three-page book, and you flip over that last page, and you take the last stamp, and you stick that stamp in here, and you go, that's it? That's the final straw. I'm out of here. And people leave a church. They leave a marriage. They leave a job. They leave a a lifetime friendship over a fence because they filled their book. 
And it was a book that they weren't even, <laughs> they shouldn't have even had. Why? Because you're not supposed to keep a record of wrong. That's stepping out of love. When we step into love, when we put love on, we don't keep records of wrongs. Man. Wow. Thank you, Lord. So, here's what happens. When you focus on love and how you can serve other people, you become what I like to call dent resistant. Dent resistant. How many, many of you I know, or you should all be familiar with GM, General Motors, right? They have different car brands that we all know and maybe even like. They've got GMC, Cadillac, Buick, right? They've got all these different car brands. And then they even have some that aren't around anymore, some of the classics. They've got Pontiac, they've got Saab, <laughs> uh, they've got uh, Hummer, you know, that maybe will be making a revitalization here. But there was a car company back, there was a car brand back in 1982 that they released called Saturn. How many of you ever owned a Saturn, drew, drove a Saturn? Come on, I got some Saturn people in here. That's amazing. So did you have like the Ion? What did you have? Uh, what did you have there, Chris? Was it, was it a coupe, the SC? Saturn coupe, all right. Yeah, I knew my Saturns. That was the first car company that I worked for selling cars. But... So the Saturns, this was the first thing I learned about the Saturns. What made them unique was, you know, they were economy cars. They were smaller cars when they first came out. But the interesting thing was is that they put these side panels on these cars. The doors and the quarter panels, they were all made out of a dent-resistant material, a polymer material. And so the whole thing about the Saturn was that you could, you know, park right next to somebody and somebody door dings you and it just bounces right off. Because it's like the bumper, same type of material they use on their bumpers. So I found an old commercial. This is of the Saturn Ion, which had these plastics. And I just want to show you this spot here real quick, 30-second spot. The Saturn Ion with dent-resistant side panels. Saturn, people first. <laughs> Even through the kitchen sink, I had to throw the kitchen sink. So here's the thing: we're supposed to be like that. We're supposed to be dent-resistant. We're supposed to be the kind of people that man, people pull our change, people push our buttons, and guess what? It just bounces right off of me. Why? Because greater is He that's in me. Lord, I thank you. I don't have to take things personally because I sacrificed my person at the cross. And I don't take things that people say and, and harbor it and, and have ill feeling towards somebody. Why? My battle is not with them. I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I don't wrestle against people. Who am I fighting? The devil, Satan. He's the one behind the scenes. He's the one trying to manipulate this. He's the one that knows where your buttons are. He's been trying to find them. He's been poking on you, trying to find your buttons all this time. And then when he does, he tries to create some kind of events that he can push them more. Why? Because he wants you to step out of love and step into offense. 
What about another kind of person? You know, we talk about dent-resistant panels. You know, there's another kind of person that, that when, when, when they're easily offended, they become more sensitive. Have you ever noticed that? People that, that get, take an offense and they hold on to offense, it causes them to become more sensitive. Nicole used the word, the heart of stone, the heart of flesh, right? That God takes the heart of stone, he gives you a heart of flesh. Interesting thing about a, a hard heart, a rigid heart, is it's more susceptible to breaking. It's more volatile. You understand that? Okay, so, so, you take, so, so you've got the person that they're easily offended, they're more sensitive, and so what do they do? They pull away, so they're like protecting themselves. Have you ever seen the car uh, that's parked way out in the parking lot? It's like a Porsche or a Corvette, something. Nobody wants you around it. Sometimes I go and park next. I've done it not since I've been married, but I used to go park right next to them just on purpose. In my little beater, you know, my little Toyota Silica I had, you know. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I made sure I didn't ding them, but I just was like, I wasn't, that annoyed me. But anyway, so, so they're parked way out here. Why? Because they're not dent resistant. They've got these sleek lines, and they don't want anybody messing up their paint job. Why? Because it's all about... Cadillac, the Corvette, whatever your dream car is, the Ferrari, you know, whatever it is. And so that's why they're parked way out. But people do that. People who are sensitive do the same thing. They pull away from people. They won't open their heart to people. They won't share. They won't let people in. Why? Because they're scared. They're offended. And they don't, they're scared to get offended more, to get hurt more. Well, I got news for you. The kitchen sink, the arrows, the plane, all that stuff you saw hitting that car, it's all coming. It's coming. Look at your neighbor say, it's coming. <laughs> it's on its way. <laughs> the question is, are you going to be dent resistant? Are you going to be able to let it roll? Let it bounce off. And the only way to do that is to step into love. Now look at your neighbor and say, we're going to need to step into love. So I love this. I love this statement. See, sin against us should never produce sin in us. Oh, I love that statement. Sin against us should never produce sin in us. What if we walked in love? What if things that came at us just bounced right off of us? What if we were walking in so much love for other people that it was... We didn't even know it when people were making fun of us. We didn't even know it when they were saying hurtful things toward us. Why? Because we're so focused on love. See, Jesus is on the cross, and all that he says is, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. This is a great statement for you and I to take and to easily walk in love. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There was this girl behind me. My, I was driving my wife's Jeep, and she still got a, a Trump Pence sticker on the back of her, of her Jeep. And, you know, and so this girl, we made a stop, and I just happened to look up and catch her, and she was giving me both fingers. If she could have got her toes up, she probably would have been giving me those two. And, I mean, she was just... Man, and just the anger and the, and the hatred. I was, I, this was pretty close to, you know, election time, and, 
And so anyway, and I said, Father, forgive her. She doesn't know what she's doing. Amen, man. Ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But say, Phil, I, you're saying I should use love as a weapon? Yeah. Yes, I am. Love is the best weapon for you to use. But, but Phil, I thought faith was the weapon. Well, it is, but faith works by love. Your faith isn't going to work without your love working. So uh, let me read a couple more scriptures to you. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, because I, I don't know if you're ready for this next part. Are you really, truly ready for this next part? <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, put your seatbelt on if you're not. So uh, it may not seem like it, but the opportunities that you're having, you know, the people that are pushing your buttons, pulling your chains, doing all that stuff, it's actually working for you. You're benefiting from that. Some of you are looking at me like, uh-uh. Okay, that's good. Second Corinthians 4, look at 17. It says, for our present troubles, which are small. I think it's interesting that he puts that in there. For our present troubles, which are small and won't last very long. Huh, it's temporary. Yet they produce for us. Come on, somebody. They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. <laughs> it's, you know, we all need a little something to help develop our love walk. I don't think it's any mistake that in 1 Corinthians 13, the very first thing that it says love is, is patient. Because that's one of the best ways to develop my love walk. I don't know about you, but this is one of the best ways I develop my love walk is patience. Patience. I was asking a friend of mine, I said, he was in a different season of life than I am, and he's a little bit older, and I was asking him about, you know, some different things, guy things. And, uh, and, and he was telling me about you know, a situation that he um, was working through, and, and it was taken. It, I said, well, how long have you been in that? And he said, about 10 years. Really? I said, so what do you do? What's the answer? And he said, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a good time to develop patience because that's what you're going to need. I just went. And, and we have trouble standing in line at the grocery store or standing in line to do something. Let me tell you, man. I mean, we could be standing in line to get bread at one store and going over and standing in line to get milk at another. It could be a lot worse than what it is. So I, first world problems, I don't think, are what develop our love walk and our patience. It's all of these opportunities. It's these trials. It's, it's people that don't agree, people that don't know better, people that you get to hang around people. We are putting together a cool thing I like. It's called Vision Plus, 
And it's videos, basically, how many of you have heard of Growth Track? Ever seen a growth, growth Track or been to a church at Growth Track? And so, so we, we thought that it really didn't fit with, you know, I liked some of the Growth Track ideas, but it didn't fit, you know, for where we were as a church. And, and so we started coming up with some ideas and brainstorming, and we came up with this, this plan for Vision Plus. And, and so, you know, so we're putting it together. And so, you know, it talks about how to become a member. It talks about, um, you know, our governance. It talks about all these different aspects of the church and, and familiarizes you with the church. And so we're, we're going to be working on that this next week, filming that this next week. But the thing that was interesting to me is I'm going through and I'm putting all this together. The Lord dealt with me, you need to do one on healthy growth. Okay. And as I begin to dive into healthy growth, I begin to see the imperative importance of being around people. And not just people your age, people of all ages, all sizes. Man, you talk about that's well rounded growth. You learn how to respect those who are older than you and how to give honor. You learn how to be nice to children that love to go and 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 go. And you learn all kinds of things. It's a healthy way to grow. So why wouldn't it be that one of the best ways for us to learn love is to learn how to deal with situations and let go and forgive and walk in continual forgiveness? A guy I respect told me, he said, Phil, every morning I look myself in the mirror and I say, I am forgiving everyone today. Every morning, before his day even starts, I am choosing to walk in forgiveness all day long. I think that's a powerful word. Isaiah, <clears throat> well, I'm going to read, I was, I'm going to read uh, Isaiah 48.10 uh, to you as well. So, you know how gold is refined, Right? How, how they take gold and they put it with another substance, they heat it up really, really hot, and then what happens? Any, any impurities that are that it's in the gold will rise to the top. And then you're able to scoop that off. Well, here's something I want to encourage you in. In fact, Isaiah 48, verse 10 says this, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Come on. That sounds like a fun furnace to be in, the furnace of affliction. <laughs> How'd you like to jump in there for a while, huh? Yeah, I'm going to learn some. I'm going to get some of my gold refined in the furnace of affliction. And you get in there, and those impurities come to the top. See, here's what happens. I don't know. Maybe see if it happens the same way for you as it does for me. When I pray and I ask God, Lord, um, I notice that I'm... I'm not doing good in this area, I'd like for you to show me, reveal to me how to get free from this. Let's say you're a person and you're having anger issues, right? You're having problems with, with getting angry. Lord, show me what it is that's bringing this on and how to deal with it. Well, whenever you ask God to refine you in gold, don't be surprised. That stuff surfaces, and it surfaces not to bug you or not to remind you that you're not free from it. It surfaces so that God can scrape it off. Well, Phil, how does he do that? Well, when you recognize it's happening, you say, God, I see it. 
And here it is. And right now I repent. I ask you to wipe it off. This is not me. And he does. He's amazing. Man. And so that's what we're going to do here this morning. We're going to wipe off some offense. I want to read to you another scripture in Matthew 24. So if you would turn back over there just for a minute. See, we've made the gospel about welfare, well-being, and eternal security. But instead, it's about transformation. Transformation of our heart, of our lives, of our motive, of our agenda. It takes the focus off of us and it puts it on him. You know, and it's amazing to me, even in the church, people, you know, are, are, they, they live life based on how they're doing today. How many of you know we all wake up different every morning? Sometimes I feel like working out. Sometimes I don't feel like working out. Get your fanny out of bed and go work out. I mean, what else are you going to do with this time? Go sit and think about all the reasons why I shouldn't work out. You know, I mean, the time's going to pass anyway. You might as well get in on the bike and ride your 15 miles and and then, you know, lift some weights, you know, because you've decided to do that. But if you base your morning on how you feel, that's how your morning's going to go. And so, you know, I have people that come to me and they say, Pastor, pray for me. Oh, it's been a rough week. I'm in the wilderness. That sounds like a religious thing to say, doesn't it? I'm in the wilderness. Okay, well, I have a question for you. Which wilderness are you in? Because there's a couple in the Bible. There was the wilderness the children of Israel were in. That didn't work out very well. Why? Because they went in there self-centered. And so it destroyed them. Go back and read it for yourself but then there's the wilderness Jesus was in which one are you in are you in the one the children of Israel are in or are you then the one that Jesus was in because Jesus came out anointed with power he came out the victor 40 days of fasting spending time in the presence of God and then the enemy shows up and he has everything that he needs to defeat him So I want to read to you this verse, Matthew 24. Look at verse 13. It says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. He who endures to the end. What's born out of love will never fail. It will never fail. But I'm telling you, If you're holding on to something, if you're holding on to hurt from your past, you're holding on to regrets or something that's maybe even developed into bitterness, something that's developed into anger, envy, hatred. It doesn't matter what level it is. Sin is sin. Offense is as much sin as hatred and murder in your heart. It's just as much. And we might as well get free from all of it this morning and let all of it go because it'll affect other things in your life. I heard the story about Keith Moore. I heard him share this actually. Keith Moore, he's the pastor of uh, Faith Family Church in Branson, or Faith Church, Faith Life Church. Sorry, I'm getting it right. And uh, in Branson, and 
so he shared this story about how he had come out of a meeting he preaches a lot of different places he came out of this one service and this lady pulled up she had her baby in the back of her car she pulled up right next to his car she got out of his car and she said would you pray for my baby my baby is not is sick he said okay and and he had come out of the meeting and she didn't she wasn't at the meeting she just knew he was going to be there so she wanted him to pray for her baby. And he's, he said, as I'm walking back to the back of the car, he said, the Holy Spirit told me, don't pray for the baby. He said, I thought that was odd because, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. And he said, so I began to ask her more questions. Well, tell me about what's going on in your life. How are things at home? He said, and when I asked that question, he said, she dropped her head and she began to just cry uncontrollably. And when she got herself pulled back together, he said, he said, what's going on? She said, oh, she said, it's terrible. My husband and I, we fight constantly. We are just constantly at each other, and, and it is so bad. And he said, well, the Holy Spirit is telling me right now that if you'll go home and forgive your husband and get things right with him, this will go away. Really? And you know what happened? That's exactly what she did. She went home, got things right. She forgave her husband, asked him to forgive her. That got square. Her child sickness went away instantaneously. I'm telling you, we don't understand all the time what's going on in our own lives when we choose to take offense at someone. You say, Phil, I... I know, I know it's offense. I know I should let it go. I just, I don't know because they hurt me so bad. I don't know that I can release that. I don't know that I can let that go. Well, that's why you do it by faith. What do you mean by faith, Phil? Is that it's a decision. I'm deciding to let it go and I'm ignoring my feelings. I'm not going to base whether or not I let this go on my feelings because your feelings will keep you married to your past. Chained to your past. I won't use the word married. Sorry. <laughs> but it keeps, you connect, it keeps you in bondage. Marriage is not a bondage at all. It's amazing. It's an amazing covenant. But it'll keep you back there. Do you guys understand that? So would you stand up with me this morning? So that's what we're going to do this morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.